This is uh, Steve Fleischman, week 12, Job, chapter 10. And um, see how Brother brother Jim is going to speak for us, for me next week of a topic of his choosing. <coughs> so see what the Lord lays on your heart, Jim. But uh, yeah, we're, we're going to go to Texas and visit our daughter, as well as uh, visit Angie's parents. Uh, they live in the Houston area. So we're going to visit them for a day or two, and then our daughter for a day or two. So it's kind of a whirlwind trip for us. We'll try to drive straight through. My dad's feeling a little bit better. Some of you have asked about him. <clears throat> He's had a knee surgery. It's not a knee replacement, but they put a disc in there, and they said if he's not better after six weeks, they're going to go back and do a whole knee replacement. So that's uh, where he's at. He's got a checkup the 22nd. This, I think that's Tuesday. And uh, my younger brother's driving up from Louisiana to be with him and take him to his doctor appointment. So anyway, <clears throat> that's a little bit about uh, my dad. Now. Uh, one, one thing uh, about the addiction recovery ministry, uh, you know, the, the whole drug world and it's kind of a dark, dark world is how I kind of think of it or describe it. And and uh, Job here, it, it's it's different, of course, but uh, Job in chapter 10 is kind of at at the bottom. So he's in a dark place. <clears throat> so if you can. That, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Job, Job's in a dark place. And our, our thesis is that uh, we can trust God even when we're suffering. And Job is certainly suffering. His name means one persecuted. He doesn't know the source necessarily of his suffering. But he's lost everything. His health is gone. His family's gone. His source of income is gone. His friends are against him. Every everything you can think of, uh, pretty much, outside of Christ, he suffered more than anyone. And he wrote uh, at the top of your handout, "Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him." And so he will trust God uh, up to and including uh, dying. But he's not going to take his own life. And I quoted this lady, Claire Booth. Luker, uh, Lucre, she said, There is no hopeless situations. There are only men who have grown hopeless about them. And, uh, you know, Job is noted in the New Testament for having patience. And uh, the Bible says that tribulation worketh patience. And so he is actually obtaining patience as we read today. Uh, none of us maybe start out being very patient, uh, but hopefully we grow to be more patient. And it's through tribulation that we develop that. And uh, so uh, <clears throat> things may look a little hopeless, but he, he still can trust in God, and so can we. Amen? When, even when we're suffering. So if you're not suffering now, you probably have, and you probably will again, and, and so will I. And so I was telling that to my dad on the phone this morning that I was talking about Job and suffering. And I said, you've done a little bit of that lately, haven't you? And he had, it's been almost three months that he's been not able to walk and he's just been in pain. And 
They just uh, sent him new drugs this yesterday. I think he was going to take his first. I think it's hydrocodone this morning. They kind of it was oxycodone or codeine, and they've upped it. So anyway, he he's just hurting. Uh, but he said it's better this morning. So thank you for praying for him. And uh, so Job uh, chapter 10. If someone would read verse 1 and 2 for us. Uh, let's start. Yeah, Heather, why don't you start? We'll go around that way. So twice he mentions in verse 10, uh, 10.1 that about his soul. His soul is weary of life and he speaks in the bitterness of his soul. He, he is weary. He is ready to check out. Uh, but he's got this complaint. And so we're, we're so... These guys were so brilliant in their minds. You know, the, the world believes in evolution, but really, biblically... We should believe in devolution, like we are devolving. We, you know, if Adam could name all the animals in one day, I mean, these these are mine. These are brilliant people, and you know, people think that the Book of Job is the greatest literary document ever recorded, ever any place. It, it's been uh, described as that, and so we are in the dialogue. <coughs> And the next time we get together, so it'll be two weeks from now, uh, his third friend named Zophar will show up in chapter 11. So he's dialoguing back and forth with his friends, but they're talking about God, they're talking about their thoughts, their beliefs. And so this is a very high level, uh, or really in-depth, you know, some of us might feel this way, but it would be hard for us to express these things. I mean, uh, we, I might have been weary in my soul, but I would never tell Angie, my soul is weary of life. I am heavy of bitterness of my soul. And we might have feel that way, So, but it's just a wonderful communication that uh, Job is giving. And he mentions this several times. We've already read it in chapter 3 and 7 and 9 and now here in 10. But uh, let's look at the last one on your handout, 23.2. Job 23.2 is seven times he talks about being bitter. And I guess when I think of bitterness, I think of something I might taste that's, that's bitter. Like, whoa, I do not want that, you know. And so, yeah, 23.2... Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. So we've got a few more chapters to go, and uh, Job doesn't get any relief till the end of the book. And so he's, he's going for several months here. A couple times there's a reference to months that it's, it's going on, his, his suffering and his disease. And I, I gave you, uh, your first blank is the word soul. And so, uh, be turning in our New Testament. Let's look at Mark and Luke. Uh, th- this is a good way to biblically define what your soul is. And when you see this, you'll, you'll think, uh, yep, that's right, that's, that is what our soul is. So Mark 8... 
36. <coughs> and uh, Emmett, I'll have you read that. And then Pam, would you look up the Luke Luke 9.25? So Mark 8.36, Emmett. Yep, that's that's a verse we all know. So it mentions the word soul there, lose your soul. And Pam, what does the Luke 9 say? <clears throat> does everybody see that? The the same the same story by two different authors. Mark says, What's it gonna advantage you if you gain the whole world, lose your soul? And Luke says, "What's the gain? Hope. What is the gain if you gain the whole world and lose himself? So, your soul and my soul is who you are." And he mentions down here a few later verses later in Job that that he he is fenced in with skin and sinew and bones or something like that. So, our soul is who you are, and when you get saved. The Bible says that He seals us into the day of redemption. So He seals your soul. Who you are is going to go to heaven or hell, right? Yeah, what are you thinking, Heather? Testament, yeah. All all the things you had before, you weren't happy, and then you lost it all. But now you you got Christ. You got. Uh huh. That's good. That's a good testimony, Heather. <coughs> Amen. Well, verse two that. Heather read was back in Job 10. He's asking God not to condemn him and he's wanting God to show him why are you contending with me? And so uh, your second blank was just the word uh, condemn. I give you a definition of that. I think And on your hand, I put, you know, Romans 8, 1 tells us there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. And so we've been seeing how, you know, we have an advantage over our friend Job in that uh, Job feels like God is condemning him. He's contending with him. And condemn means to pronounce to be utterly wrong, to utter a sentence of disapprobation against to censor, to blame, but the word often expresses more than censor or blame and seems to include the idea of utter rejection. 
as to condemn heretical opinions or to condemn one's conduct and he gave some examples uh, that I didn't write down there but anyway we kind of like like Heather was expressing it's wonderful now that uh, Christ doesn't condemn us in Christ we're free and we're we're set free and so we're not condemned and so Job uh, seems to be hopeless he seems to be uh, complaining and he's expressing things uh, that he's feeling in his state of suffering and uh, Suzanne would you read verse 3 for us now Is it good? So uh, he's kind of reasoning here, but he he says that he's the work of God's hands, and that that's what I put on this uh, on the TV this morning. Is just this picture of the hands and the clay, and uh, he's saying he is, but he feels like God is oppressing him and despising him as the work of God's hand. I think what I'll do right now, uh, maybe this will resonate as we talk this morning, but I think it was on Christian radio this week, I heard a guy talking about the development of a child within the womb and uh, when you think about, I mean, my wife thinks that no one can really be an atheist if they would just look at a baby. That She thinks that is a miracle, and, and it is, and it happens right in front of all of us. Um, so we just looked this up. Within three weeks, uh, an embryo has a heart. <clears throat> I think after four weeks, it's eye and it, its heart starts to develop. Within week five, it has uh, an eyeball and, and limbs. Week six and seven, uh, it gets teeth. Week seven and eight, it gets a, a palate in its mouth. Uh, it has external genitals at week 12. Week 16, it gets... Uh, 12 through 16 it gets its brain weeks 20 through 36 uh, it's just showing pictures of its development but anyway it's just really miraculous isn't it how that all happens and then boom it's a it's a child it's a person and it and it grows and uh, develops so anyway uh, I just thought that kind of went with the work of God's hands even within the womb yeah Ah. and you can see it through the jar Ha <laughs> 
Oh yeah, we see something about bodies. I don't know if it was I remember they pulled like the whole nervous system and skeletal system and showed different. But yeah, it's it's a pretty fascinating. Thank you, Pam. But yeah. 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 Week three. Uh. Uh. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She's I think they either get the type of blood from their father. That's why his Christ's blood was special because God was the father. But you know, Genesis prophesizes the seed of the woman, so it. Uh, By the system, isn't it? Uh. Yeah. 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 He, he says that. that Yep. Well, anyway, let, let's carry on. But I, I like just the thoughts. and So Job knows he's pretty uh, wonderfully made here. And he says in verse 4, Hast thou eyes of flesh, or seest thou as man see it? <coughs> and uh, on, under letter D on your handout, he asked this question. It's kind of a prayer, but uh, God became man, but He does not see as as man sees. In fact, uh, that First Samuel. This is a great verse that we all. Let's look at that together. First Samuel, sixteen. <clears throat> it's one of my favorite verses. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Were you able to look it up, Suzanne? Are you already... Can you read that one? Oh, okay, let, let me read it. it. This is where uh, Samuel was going to anoint David as king. and Verse 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature because I have refused him that's talking about David's brother 
For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So, you know, we, we look at people on the outside and maybe make judgment or uh, we, we might think that if they're, you know, small in stature or uh, not nice to look at, that maybe it lessens their value or whatever we might think. But God looks on the heart and and we've all probably known, you know, pretty people that were pretty plain on the inside, haven't we? They're, but anyway, we need to have a heart for God and uh, a pure heart and serve Him with uh, all, all our heart, give Him our whole heart. And so uh, anyway, I like that verse. And so God does it. He did become a man in, in Christ, but He doesn't look at things as the way we do. And uh, I wrote here, I think this was from Matthew Henry, that many things are hidden from the eyes of flesh, but God is not short-sighted. He, he sees all. And in Psalm 121, it says that God is the keeper of Israel, and He neither slumbers nor sleeps. So He's awake all the time, and He sees perfectly with... 2020 vision. Now, uh, 7 and 8, uh, Jim, if you read back to Job 10, verse 7 and 8. So it's kind of this thing that God, you've you've made me, and uh, yet you're you're trying to destroy me. And He's really pondering some deep thoughts here. God, he, he, nobody can deliver anyone out of your hand. <clears throat> Look at this uh, Psalm 139. Let's hold our place here. Look at Psalm 139. This is another uh, famous passage. I read this one to my dad when he was in the hospital. It was so cool because uh, he was just in a lot of pain, and they'd just given him some uh, painkiller. And so I said, "Dad, let me read you a chapter." And I started. I read this whole thing, and when I was done, he was asleep. It was just. I mean, yeah, and I walked out, I left. It was right after his surgery, so. Anyway, Psalm 139. And we'll read 9 through 16 here. Just thinking about uh, how Job knows that God knows him. He says, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, 
Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yea, uh, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So that's again uh, things about the womb and how God knows him. And uh, and then in verse 9, so go back to Job 10 verse 9, and I'll let Angie, would you read that for us? So there, there it, it says that God made him as the. And uh, what is the answer? What is the answer? Will God bring him to dust again? Yes or no? He, he goes back to dust, doesn't he? So our bodies do, and so I gave you a couple references there from Genesis that. God uh, made, he formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then in chapter 319, it, it actually says that man returns to dust. So uh, so his answer is yes, uh, you do return to dust. And I put there a quote from Matthew Henry. He, he says, what a pity it is that these bodies should be instruments of unrighteousness, which are capable of being temples of the Holy Ghost. I thought that was uh, a good quote from Matthew Henry. He's a Bible commentator. And if you look down at your teaching points at the bottom of the page, uh, I brought some of this from my Joe or my Jeremiah study. It talked about the the earthen vessel and the uh, Israel's likened to clay. So my teaching point one is a clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the white heat of the furnace to become porcelain. So we must go through fiery trials before coming forth a vessel for the finer. And then teaching point two, uh, just as Israel will be made again into another vessel, so a lost man or woman can be made again into another vessel. By falling upon the rock uh, potter's wheel, Jesus... The water of the word, Ephesians 5.26, moistens and softens you and makes you flexible. Once tender, God applies gentle pressure with his Holy Spirit until Christ be formed in you. Paul explains that people who have Jesus Christ dwelling in their hearts are like earthen vessels that now contain a treasure. So anyway, there's just a lot about the clay and the potter's hands, isn't there? And... Uh, so that's, that's why I put that picture on the TV this morning. And then I think Job 10.10 10 is where we get the expression not to cry over spilled milk, but it says, Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? And my point there is that Job can't help but cry. He feels like his life is going through the same curdling process as milk, where it's, it's churned or however they make uh, butter or cream or cottage cheese and so he feels like his life is like that so again just really wonderful statements uh, from a man who is in despair so 
that's the first half and uh, I put those were some of the dark thoughts that the Job had and this the next the back page of your handout is kind of Job's oh, that was uh, dark what I put my high dark questions and now these are some dark thoughts but look at and I put uh, I made another typo here in verse 11 and 12 on your hand I put God preserved God's spirit but that, that should be God preserved Job's spirit I noticed that this morning <coughs> uh, somebody read back to you Heather uh, would you read 10 verse 11 and 12 So your third blank was the word clay, but uh, in verse 11 and 12, uh, see at the end of verse 12, thy visitation hath preserved me, or my spirit. Uh, That's kind of a wonderful thought, because we we talked about how a child is formed in the womb, but so God not only creates and, but it's almost more wonderful the like uh, how God maintains planet Earth. I mean, there, there's like a, a whole ecosystem and, uh, you know, movies call it kind of the cycle of life or something like that, but I think there's a, a video called uh, Wonderful Planet Earth or something like that. Just how the Earth is just a certain distance from the sun and the moon's a certain distance from the earth and just the balance of all and, and how God maintains and so Job is feel like you have preserved my spirit you've, you've maintained me and uh, and I, I gave you a verse from the New Testament I think we should all, all see this look, look at the Colossians verse let's all go to our New Testament and look at Colossians we got about 20 minutes here we got time Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And if if you haven't heard it before, there's a little acronym, uh, Go Eat Popcorn. Go is for Galatians, Eat is for Ephesians, Pop is for Philippians, and Corn is Colossians. So, Go Eat Popcorn, maybe help you find Colossians 1. (laughs) <laughs> there's other things I've heard through the years but I remember that one alright so uh, Emmett Philippians 1 or I'm sorry Colossians 1 verse 15 through 17 would you read those
Yeah, that's what I was wanting. Right at the end there, it's talking about Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. And by Him, by Christ, all things were created. But even uh, that last little statement there, by Him, all things consist. And that has to do with preservation. All things are kind of held together. And uh, without Christ, things would just fall apart and fly apart. And, you know, we, we have gravity. We have laws of nature. We have things that maintain and things consist. And that... So that, that's a pretty uh, powerful packed little word there, isn't it? a little phrase, all things consist by Christ. He created them and he helps them stay maintained. So, alright, back to uh, Job. Let's go back to Job 10. Now we're in uh, 13 and 14, Pamela. Now there was, uh, okay, it's the next one. See? Yeah, look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, Thou knowest that I am not wicked. And then verse 15 says, If I be wicked. So... It's got, it almost sounds like opposing. It's like, God, you know I'm not wicked, but all right. Maybe if I am, if I am, you know, don't count it against me. Uh, won't you acquit me for my iniquity? You know, forgive me. And so he, he's saying, like, God, God knows, <coughs> knows all, and yet uh, he's asking. Uh, he's like, God, I know you. You've marked it when I sin, um, and I need to be acquitted for my iniquity. And uh, I had a little section from Romans about reckoning. Um, I think we got time. Let's go to this Romans four. There's some things here, and this is at the time of Job. We know Job is contemporary with with uh, Abraham's children. So here in Romans 4, it talks about, about uh, Abraham. Acts, Romans, Romans 4. And I'll read through here because this word reckoning keeps coming up. I think the reason I brought you here, cause I think that word acquittal is similar to reckoning. Uh, reckoning is kind of an accounting term, but in Romans 4, let me just read these first 10 verses for us. He says, What shall I say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For Abraham, or for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath thereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness 
Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned. So that reckoned has to do with accounting of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted or reckoned for righteousness. So it's comparing grace and works here. And verses 4 and 5 are really some good verses for me when I was first saved because it was like it took the pressure off. It, it, you know, you can, If you could work for your salvation or you could work to become justified, then you would get the glory of it. And God doesn't work that way. It, it's by grace. It's only through belief. And Abraham, once he believed with no works, he just saw the... You know, he, remember Abraham was childless and God showed him the stars of the sky. He said, your descendants are going to be like that. And Abraham's like, okay, God, I believe you. That was counted to him for righteousness. Okay, you're now righteous just because you believe what I said. And uh, <clears throat> he went on to do some works, but it was because he was already justified. Verse 6 says, But as David also described the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness. So that's like counting. David says that a man is blessed whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Verse 7 saying, Blessed are those, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute or you know, reckon or count sin, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision only? Or also, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How then, how was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So, Abraham was not yet circumcised himself, so that's that's not how he was counted righteous. It was just because he believed on God when he was still uncircumcised. So, anyway, Paul is working out this whole thing of comparing things of the Old Testament to the New. And anyway, that that's wonderful, isn't it? That's that's what grace is. We we receive it by faith, and when we believe that Christ loved us and died for us and rose again from the grave. We can be saved. We can be counted righteous. That's that is the uh, gospel. That is the salvation. And uh, Abraham experienced that in an Old Testament way while he was yet uncircumcised. So, and then the, the next verse that Pam read, verse 15, he mentions this word confusion. So that goes in your next blank. The word confusion. I feel like I'm easily confused. Job, Job, back in Job 10, verse 15, he said, I am full of confusion. Wherefore see thou mine affliction? And, uh, you know, the New Testament teaches us that God is not the author of confusion. So, I, I really believe, I really believe this is the goal of the devil, don't you? To put you and I and Job in, in a place of confusion where maybe we don't make good decisions or we don't know right or wrong. And uh, sin can be very confusing, can it? It's like, well, man, this seems good. It seems, this is what I want to do. And so we, we have to keep coming back to the Word of God and 
counsel of God's people <coughs> to, uh, you know, keep in fellowship with the Lord and, uh, you know, do, do His will. Because uh, the Word of God is what tells us right and wrong. And so Job is full of confusion. He doesn't have the written Word and all his friends are bombarding him with, uh, you know, you must have sin in your life or this bad things wouldn't have happened. And so he is he is full of confusion. So I thought we would just... Um, and he expresses that again in verse 16. Uh, uh, Suzanne, would you read that? talks about this fierce lion and it kind of goes with his confusion he, he's like a, kind of accusing God God you're hunting me like a lion when really it's it's the devil is the false lion or the, the roaring lion and so he's uh, and this will get kind of te- get us to our teaching point here uh, your, your next blank is just the word spiritual If you put that, my teaching point there is in spiritual warfare, it's hard to distinguish between enemy fire and friendly fire. You know, are, are, is this God uh, trying to, uh, you know, chastise me for something, or is it the devil attacking me? And so it, it can be confusing, can't it? And that is what he's expressing. He's full of confusion. He's going through spiritual warfare. <clears throat> and then uh, in these last couple verses, uh, he didn't read 17. Thou renewest thy witness against me and increasest thine indignation upon me. Changes and war are against me. And then uh, 18 and 19, uh, Jim, would you read those? So he he kind of reiterates what he said in chapter 3 about, I wish I hadn't even been born. My eye had never seen the light of day and then in verse 20 uh, Angie why don't you just read through the end of the chapter Angie So, verse 20, you know, God just leave me alone for so I can have a little bit of comfort uh, before I die. So he, he feels like his time is short if you just leave me alone. But then the, these last two verses are kind of a reference to hell. We know that hell is a place of darkness. And I, I gave you some verses there. Uh, not There's some from... Job, 
even Job 15, let's turn over to Job 15, has two or three references. Job 15 and verse 22. He believeth not that he shall return out of darkness, and he is waited for of the sword. He wandereth abroad for bread, saying, Where is it? He knoweth that the day of darkness is ready at his at his hand. And then down in verse 30 it says something else about darkness. He that he shall not depart out of darkness. The flame shall dry up his branches, and by the breath of his mouth shall he go away. And so we have said uh, that Job is a type of the Jew in the tribulation period. He's a type of Christ on the cross who suffered our punishment. And he's also a type of a lost man in hell. And so he's, he's saying he's going to a land of darkness and the shadow of death. And uh, it's without any order, so it's very disorderly. So anyway, Job, Job is having some pretty dark thoughts here. And I gave you a quote even from Jeff Adams at, at your teaching point. Sometimes God doesn't give us victory over the problem. He gives us victory in the problem. If Job can hold out, learn patience, and keep from cursing God, you can too. And so can I. So I thought that was a good quote by Jeff Adams that I read this week and uh, so I thought we'd just kind of conclude with some things about suffering that Randy Foster gave us one time and I think it was in one of his sermons or I don't remember where I got this but uh, let's just read through those and maybe comment uh, Heather why don't you just read that first one there and if you have any comments uh, under Roman numeral 3 that's number 1 Suffering highlights on your handout. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, is that is that true? I mean, we. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think of even an athlete, you know, the biggest and toughest and best athletes, when they get hurt, it's like, wow, you were here and now you're here. I mean, you may or may not recover, but so we're we're all frail, aren't we? And, and, uh, Emma, what do you think of that next one? Yeah. Yeah. I know a pastor that says we sometimes we can learn more 
horizontally than we can vertically. <laughs> it's like when you're on your back, you're God help me, right? Uh, Pam, you want to read the next one? Yeah, I mean, uh, right. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. put that on my handout next week. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we're on a fallen earth and we're, yeah, there's just, just, you know, growing up as a farmer, you don't have to plant weeds, they just come up, don't they? And you just, just by nature, uh, the weeds come up, and so anyway, these are some of Randy's thoughts. Uh, Suzanne, you want to do that next one? What do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even even whenever I when we take a walk or something, I, it makes me mindful. You know, my dad can't walk right now. If I have compassion for him, like man, I can't imagine not being able to walk. So definitely. That's true. Uh, yeah, what do you think of this next one here? Number five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Angie, you want to do this extra number six? What do you think of that? Um, well, I, I know one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance. And, uh, Whenever you think of temperance, I'll never forget. I've got two or three things that I really gleaned from D2, and one of them was about temperance. And the teacher told the story of the guy at Silver Dollar City who makes who makes knives out of like a a wire cable, or and he said, you know, he'll be telling you a story about meddling. He'll be heating it and cooling it, and he said all that's doing is tempering it. And he said we need temperance to uh, to be 
made strong. And I do, I do think suffering allows, it, it tempers the soul. It can make you a stronger person, doesn't it, having gone through some things. It strengthens your faith. It strengthens maybe your resolve to... And uh, I see that even with my dad. He, he really wants to be better, and he's taking his meds. He's doing the physical therapy. He's... He's uh, being made strong through through the suffering. And then the last one there, I gave you a blank even. I, I always try to have seven blanks, but it's just the word virtue or virtues. And it's suffering nurtures the noblest virtues. And so I don't know where Randy got these, if he thought them up or if he saw them somewhere, but these are some things that suffering accomplishes and it can uh, nurture some of the best things about uh, the human spirit uh, in our soul and uh, physically and you know suffering is not not all bad is it? It's and um, you know even even athletes, you know, they, they have to work work out and break down the muscles so it'll build it back stronger. And so, so suffering can do that. Well, I'm going to hold up there, and I'll be back in two weeks. Jim will be here next week, Lord willing. Are there any prayer requests online, Jim? We've got some folks that joined us. Can they hear us okay now, I guess? So thank you for getting that fixed. Uh, thanks for coming, Heather. We'll plan for the tenth at uh, your hubby's restaurant in in Lewisburg. Ah, uh, so you won't be able to be there. Okay. Can you uh, text me the address? Maybe a phone number. But uh, yeah, if you can reserve that, we'll go over to the Kansas side. Good. And I'll, I'll check to see if it's in our budget to pay for the whole thing. And then maybe we can just give a tip out of our pocket. And I think, I think we had 350 for the year. And I think we've just been buying some. Of, we just bought a few supplies. It's the only thing we bought, maybe 30 or $40. Maybe these folders that we all have. So, All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Mita, Leo, thank you for being here. Hope you guys all have a good Thanksgiving this week. And uh, we'll sign off Facebook. Thanks for joining us. Let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we do uh, bow our heads. And uh, Lord, it's been good to read your word and to uh, study your servant Job. This uh, perfect and upright man that feared God and has chewed evil. And Lord, just thank you for his example to us and uh, his thoughts, Lord. Just can't imagine uh, all what he went through, but Lord, we're uh, thankful for him and how you were with him, and uh, he, he maintained his uh, integrity and faith with you, and so Lord, uh, help us to uh, gain our understanding of, of ourselves through this, help us to be better acquainted with you, and to be able to represent you to others better, and so, Lord, uh, just continue to mold us, uh, keep us in unity one with another and with you. And 
Pray for any unspoken needs in this room that uh, Lord you help us in uh, our areas and times of suffering. And Lord, thank you for this class and that we love you. And thank you for the upcoming Thanksgiving season and help us to uh, be truly thankful to you for all that we have and all that you are. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Walk out of here.